0: Welcome back. Uh, Happy Labor Day. I hope everyone is having a good weekend. Um, This is, we are starting a new series this month called If Then. And in this series, I'm going to be looking at at some of the more well-known Bible stories and kind of looking at the the pivot points where the people involved had these major choices where the stories could have gone vastly different from how we know them. Now, obviously, we know how they went and, and that doesn't change. And God worked through each of those. But because we have free will... Uh, We know that each of the characters that we've read about in the Bible also had free will. And so it's interesting to look at their lives and see the the choices they made and how those could have been different and then use that for our own. So I'm going to go way back for for this week, uh, which is called Everyone's a Hero, and we're going to be talking about Cain and Abel. So uh, they have just been born, and I'm going to go to Genesis 4, uh, 2 through 16. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. So I want to stop right here before we get to the rest of it. Um, If you have, you probably, if you've ever been in church, you've ever known anyone who's gone to church, uh, even if not probably, you've heard of Cain and Abel, and you know the story, you know what happens. One of the things I occasionally say is don't jump ahead to what you think is going to happen, especially in this series, because we are going to take kind of an alternate viewpoint. And so right here is kind of the the first time. It's really the second point, but it's the first point where he had a major choice to make. Of course, he could have brought the best to the Lord, because God very clearly said to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and, and was like, hey, Uh, I just need like 10% of your best. That's it. Like, I don't need all of it. You can have the rest of it. You can live on it. Just bring me your best to show your devotion to me, to show that you believe in me, to show that that you value me. And then he would bless them. And he gave them so much. And the garden was perfect. And everything in life was perfect then. And so Cain very easily could have just uh, brought the best grains. Like, he still would have had 90%. He still would have had a ton. But what happens is he just kind of, Gives what he gives. And a lot of us do that in our lives. We don't necessarily give our best. We just do enough to pass. Uh, One of the things that that it can be frustrating for me when I see in the news or on Facebook uh, people who proclaim to be Christians that are in politics or follow politics sometimes Uh, They seem to look for the very minimum line of what they can do in order to be called a Christian, in order to say they're a Christian. And it's like, well, what's the least amount I can do to help people? What's the least amount I can do to make a difference? What's the least? And a lot of us do that from time to time in different things. But in our faith, in our lives, we have to do better. And so I want to go here. And so Abel uh, was kind of the teacher's pet, but not in a negative way. He did his best. He gave the best of his flock. He gave the best of what he could to the Lord. And that was it. God accepted him. Uh, He wasn't saying, hey, Abel, you're better than Cain. He didn't think that. Uh, He loved both of them completely. He wanted both of them to do their best. And and yet that's not how Cain saw it, which is where we get to his choice. After he'd already brought what he brought, he saw Abel. And he saw how God spoke to Abel and said, thank you. You know, this is the best. You're wonderful. You're blessed. Whatever he said. Uh, And then Cain had this moment, and this is the if-then moment, this is the what-if moment, this is the moment so many of us have, and as we look back on our lives, sometimes we wish we had again. Uh, I know for myself, I can look back at different points where I made a decision, uh, and and not even like a, a moral decision necessarily, but just where I decided to study one thing instead of another, or I decided to accept something instead of something else, or I decided to do this instead of that, or to talk to this person, or to not talk to that person. Uh, and, and I look back sometimes, and I'm like, man, I wish that I'd done this. I wonder what my life would have been. Uh, one of the things I said a few series ago is you are more than your choices. You are not defined by the choices you make. You're defined by how you use them and how you grow from them and how you learn from them over the course of the life. But still, there are these moments, these if-then moments, these what-if moments. And so Cain had this moment right here where he looked at Abel and God, and he simply could have said, man, I messed up. You know, there's no shame in this. I messed up. I, I made a bad decision. I should have given better. I could go change that right now. He could have ran and said, hold on, God, I, I've got to go. I, I'm really sorry. I can do better, I promise. And opened his heart and ran and grabbed better crops or, or, or better wheat, whatever it was specifically, and brought it back and, and said, God, forgive me. I, I, I love you. I want to learn from this moment. He could have done that. And had he done that, everything we know would have been different. Now, at some point, humanity would have messed up. At some point, this is after the garden, obviously, so it wasn't perfect. I messed that up earlier. But at some point, humanity still would have messed up and humanity would have fallen and people would have made bad choices and there would have been murder and all of these things would have happened because that's how people are. And just like Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and then they had their family, uh, that was how people were. And so it just may not have been Cain. It may not have been Abel. And so they could have grown together. They could have built families together. They could have set this, this foundation for so much if Cain had just said, you know what? I messed up. You know what? I made a mistake. You know what? I made a bad decision. And that is the moment where everything changed. Now we go to what actually happened. Uh, Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. So what is awesome to me about what God says here is he doesn't say, hey, you know what, Cain? You are awful and you really are, are the worst of the two. I have no faith in you. You've messed this up. You mess everything up. Uh, you've got to do better or, or you're going to get fired. you got to do better. Or you're going to have a mark on your face and or wherever it is and go on and be cursed. You've got to get better, blah, blah, blah. He didn't shame him. He didn't make fun of him. He didn't uh, make him feel bad about himself. He said the truth. He simply said, Cain, you look angry. I see your heart right now, and you look angry, and I know what's going on. And, and trust me, dude, I know what is going to happen if you don't get over this anger. And that's where he says sin is at the door. He's like, hey, if you don't get over this anger, you're going to make some bad decisions. Trust me on this. And, and so he looks at him and he says, all you have to do is do what is right. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the most special. You don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the smartest. Uh, you don't have to be the most gifted. You have to just do what is right. You do your best. That's it. And that's what he says to Cain. And it's amazing advice. Now I don't know about you. But sometimes I can be in a state of mind where when I hear this from someone saying, uh, not critically, but hey, you know what? Uh, if you just do this a little bit better, then that'll be better. In my heart, I hear, man, you sucked. Uh, In my heart, I hear, yeah, you're never going to get this, because that's how I talk to myself. That's how I think about myself. And so maybe Cain heard that. Maybe he didn't. But whatever it is, that anger began to take hold of his life. But this is pivot number two, because God gives him a chance here. He has made a bad decision, and he gave in to his anger. And then God said, hey, get a hold of your life, you know, get a hold of this, and then do better. And he told him how to do better. And he even said, if you don't, there might be problems. He didn't say, if you don't, I'm going to spank you. He didn't say, if you don't, I'm going to suspend you. He didn't say, if you don't, I'm going to do this. He said, if you don't, there will be a lot of problems in your life. It wasn't a threat. It was just giving him good advice. It was giving him a better way to live. And so Cain has this choice. He has this moment where he can say, wow, that's really good advice. Like, God just spoke to me. Uh, He he accepted Abel, yeah, but he took time. He took time to tell me how to do better. That's amazing. Uh, That is at least equal to, to accepting Abel, because he's still giving him love. He's giving him advice. He's giving him help. He's giving him hope for a future. And so Cain, at that point had a decision to make. And this is decision number two or three, however you want to look at it. But it's another if-then moment. It's another what-if moment. What if he had stopped? Instead of going on to do what's next, what if he had stopped and said, man, you know, I, I had this choice to give my best. I didn't. And, and you know, that just, I, 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 I'm sorry about that, but I still went on. And then I got mad at Abel. And it was awful. But then God spoke to me. He looked at my heart. He saw what I needed to hear. And he told me the truth. And that took such love and respect for me. It gave me hope. And so I'm going to make a change now. I can't go back and change the past. But I can make the future different. And he could have ran to, to Adam or Eve or Abel. Or or even to God and said, hey, how do I do this better? One of the things that, that often destroys our chances to do better is an unwillingness to ask for help. Uh, I, I have at once or twice in my life mentioned Beatrice, who is my niece. Uh, she's the cutest toddler in the world. That's actual proof. I've got like their medals and everything that she's been awarded by the Nobel Prize Committee for some reason. But um, And that's not just because I couldn't think of any other committee. It's true. But anyway. Uh, she is at this point where she wants to be really independent. Uh, if you're a parent watching with your kid, you can look down and be like, yeah, that point never ends. If you're a teen, you can, maybe you have a younger sibling, and you're watching this, and you're like, yeah, I hate that point. Uh, or maybe you think of your friends, but all of us have this, where we want to be independent. And so Beatrice... Wants to do everything herself. And my sister sent me a video not long ago of her eating. And she eats the macaroni and cheese because macaroni and cheese is good. And then my sister tries to give her a spoon of fruit. And Beatrice like moves her face all around and tries to slap away at the spoon. And she's just upset. And, but she still loves food enough that when, when Amber sticks the spoon in her mouth, like she eats it and she loves it and she claps because she likes food. And that's good because she's related to me. But uh, she still wants to do everything herself. She's a baby. She can't. But she has that, that feeling, that desire to be independent. And so, you know, it's impossible because she doesn't talk yet to ask for help. But there are times that she accepts it. Like if she tries to walk up the stairs, she'll hold my hand or, or other things. And you know, sometimes, if you're, again, if you're a parent, you understand that it's a sliding scale of how much help they accept. But regardless, as she gets older, she hopefully will more understand that she needs help with certain things. You know, she needs help to do this. She needs help to do that to get places. As we grow from toddlerhood, we all understand just instinctively that we need help to do things. We need help to learn. Uh, we don't always like it. But my whole point is there, there are all of these points, these pivot points in our lives where we have a chance to change. We have a chance to do better. We have a chance to seek more. We have a chance to help. We have a chance to, to just do more good in the world. And we're afraid to ask for help, or we're too stubborn for for, to ask for help, or we don't want to admit that we were wrong and ask for help. And it's very hard. And even as Christians, we deal with this sometimes. Uh, I'm sure that in, in school, sometimes, right now, it's kind of weird with the online schooling for some of you, and home for, for some of you, and, and in person for some of you, and I don't even know how it all works. But there are probably classes where you're like, I just don't get this. And so you look at the homework and you look at the stuff and you're like, I don't get this. And some people will ask for help. Some people will say, I don't get this, I give up. And, and that's a big choice because every single person alive, uh, there are going to be certain things you don't get. Like there are people who are geared towards math, or towards science, or towards English, which is the best of them. There are people who are geared towards uh, language, there are people who are geared towards uh, doing the sound and listening to me all the time, there are people who are geared towards just all of like driving cars fast, like as a profession, not just on the bypass. But there are people who are geared towards all of these different things, and they don't excel at everything, but they excel at that. And you can look at that as, well, this is my thing, and so I'm awful at everything else, and so I'm going to give up. Or you say, okay. How can I get help to do better? Not to be perfect, because you're not going to be perfect, but to do better. And that is where Cain has this moment where he can be like, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be uh, just exactly like Abel. Like, I'm not going to be as gentle necessarily. I've got to work on a lot of stuff. I'm not going to be able to to, uh, lead the way that he does necessarily. But he has this point where he can say, how can I be better? Uh, God is showing an interest in me. He's showing me what is going to happen. How can I be better? But he does not do that. And if he had, like I said, who knows what would have happened to his life? Who knows how it would have turned out, but it would have been better than what happened. Because by giving up on himself, by giving up on doing better, by not listening, by not trying, he ended Abel's life that affected that dramatically. He dramatically affected his life and his family's. uh, Adam and Eve's, like, he he affected them. We don't always think of how we affect other people. Uh, Going to the title real quick, we all, at one point or another, feel like we're the hero of the story. Uh, And I'm not talking in an overconfidence way, I'm just saying the way that we live our lives is like a first-person video game because it's first-person. Like, you see out, and so you don't see from uh, somebody else's perspective, you don't see and I don't mean like figuratively, I mean literally, you don't see through someone else's eyes. You see through your own, and so it just naturally comes to, to rest in our minds that, well, I'm the hero. Like I'm, and I'm not talking like, again, egotistically here, I'm saying like I'm the center point. And we often live our lives in a way that we think when we leave the room, or we leave the classroom, or we leave the home, that everybody else just kind of turns out the lights and sits down and waits until we come back to, to begin their lives again. Um, and that is kind of where Cain is here. He doesn't think about the consequences of his actions, but that is a big thing, not just thinking about how we can do better, but thinking about what the consequences of our actions can be, how they will affect other people, how our improvement may improve other people, how uh, us living a better life, how us treating other people better may affect other people. Uh, it's, It's a crazy thing to think about, but when you think of yourselves as purely the hero, purely the main character, purely the protagonist, uh, then you forget that everyone else kind of thinks that, too. Um, we are coming up fast on elections, way too fast. But you've just had the political party conventions, and, and regardless of where you stand on that, what we tend to see in those is a bunch of people who have grown up thinking, well, I'm the main person. Like, everybody else needs to fall in place, and there are varying degrees of that. Some people go way too far. Uh, but But... They all kind of look at things that way. And so as they get farther and farther in politics, as they get farther and farther up the ladder, they stop thinking, well, how would so-and-so think about this? How would my hometown think about this? How would people on the other side of the aisle think about this? And they start thinking, well, this is what I think, so this is how it's going to be. And they don't think, man, these people are going to hate it. They think, well, because I like this, everybody else is going to like this because I'm the center point. And we see how that works out politically for the history of the world. Uh, not well, spoiler alert. But for us, when we do that, when we think of our viewpoint as the only viewpoint, when we think of our life as the only life, when we think of how we treat people as the only way to treat people, then we become like Cain. And I'm not saying a murderer, but we become like Cain in that we don't care about the consequences, we don't care about other people, we don't accept help, we don't accept these points where we can make a change. Just to finish out the story, uh, One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Now here we have another point. Now this, he's sinned. He's done an awful thing. He's ended a life. He's murdered. He's hurt not just his brother, not just his future, but several people uh, in his immediate vicinity. He's hurt them. And so God simply says, hey, where is he? Now God knows. God's not playing a trick on him. God's not like wondering, oh man, maybe Abel's playing hide and seek and Cain's like not doing very well at looking for him. He's like, I know, I'm giving you a chance. Sometimes he gives us a chance. He always knows what is in our heart. He always knows what we're doing. He always knows what we want. But he'll give us a chance to be honest, a chance to ask for forgiveness because he's a God of second chances, of third chances, of infinity chances, as long as we seek him. And so Cain has another chance after he's messed up. And there are going to be consequences for this, whatever it is. But he has this chance where he can say, I killed him. And that's hard to say. Uh, Sometimes your parents are like, hey, uh, who broke this cookie jar? Or hey, who did this? Who did that? Hey, uh, I heard this from your teacher. And, you know, we have this temptation immediately to be like, not me. I didn't do it. Uh, If you're familiar with the old family circus cartoons, which is skewing really old, but if parents are watching, you get this. uh, There were these little ghosts sometimes, and they were my favorite part because as a kid, I just focused on the fact they were ghosts. I didn't pay attention to the moral. Uh, But they'll say, like, not me. And so, like, the kids would be like, not me. I didn't do it. He did it. She did it. Because that's how we we land, especially as kids. And hopefully we get a chance to grow out of it. But Cain has this other chance. Because even if you've made a bad decision, even if you've done the wrong thing, That does not end your life. That does not define you. You have another chance. You have other chances to say, okay, whoa, I have got to stop this. Uh, I have got to, to, to do this differently. I have got to get a hold of things. I have got to ask for forgiveness. I have got to ask for help. And it can feel overwhelming if you've done something really bad, like for example, murder, because there is a big price to pay for that even then. And yet it's always better if you admit when you're wrong. It's always better if you ask for help. It's always better if you're truthful, if you're honest. And I know that that we look at things, again, like we're the hero, and we look at things very immediately, like if I admit that I cheated on this test, I'm going to get an F, and I'm going to get grounded, and I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah, that sucks. And yeah, it's easy, and some people will say this to you, yep, shouldn't have cheated. Because I know that when I've uh, had problems, like let's say I've gotten a speeding ticket, thankfully not for a long time, knock on whatever this is made out of. um, But... I, I will tell my mom or somebody and I'm like, oh, I got a speeding ticket and, and you know, this stinks and it's hard. It's going to raise my insurance and it's, it costs a lot to pay and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, whoever it is, inevitably someone will say, well, you shouldn't have speeded. sped, Yeah, I know. Thanks. It's like, I get it. And so people will say, well, you shouldn't have cheated. Well, you shouldn't have murdered your brother. Yeah, yeah, we get that. And people are going to say that, but don't let that stop you from asking for help. Because also... There will be people that say, well, you know, what are you going to learn from that? Like, I can help you, uh, but you have to talk to me about it. You have to be honest. Why did you do this? How can you not do this the next time? How can you do better? And those are the people that we trust. Those are the people that we go to. Those are the people that care. And that's what God was giving him a chance for here. Again, he knew all of this happened already. And so Cain could have said, again, after doing a majorly bad thing, and his life still would have been... irrevocably changed in some ways. But he could have said, I did the worst thing. I got so greedy and jealous and and angry, and and I just, I I lost myself. And he could have said that, and God would have said, man, you know, I still got to get you out of here. Like, you got to get away from your family. You've got to go pay consequences, whatever. But he would have at least accepted that he'd done wrong. Sometimes we don't accept that we've messed up. Because again, we think of ourselves as the central point. Uh, Just again, to wrap up the story real quick, I don't know, Cain responded, because he lied. Uh, Am I my brother's guardian, or as most people have heard it, am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer uh, on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence, and you have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, no, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. Uh, So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Uh, Just to begin at the end here, a lot of people see things in a very black and white perspective, and I'm not talking right and wrong, but we see things as, well, you should have killed him. Like... Uh, eye for an eye like tooth for a tooth like if somebody kills somebody they should die we see that all the time we see that from Christians sometimes and that's not what God is about and it is definitely merciful because as long as you're alive there's hope as long as you're alive there's a chance to do better as long as you're alive there's a chance to help other people to learn to grow but also it's always harder to live with what you've done than it is to just be done And so Cain has to live with the guilt. He has to live with what he's done. And God's not doing that as like, a man, you know, I never want to talk to you again. He's doing it as that you have to understand the effect you have on other people. One of the things before I wrap up here, uh, if you go through and read this story, if you read especially that last part, there is something that stuck out to me this time. And I knew it before, but it never really hit me as a major point. All of the times Cain talks, all of the time God talks to him, all of the times that Cain replies, never once, even after he's been caught, even after he's been told he's done wrong, even after he's been punished, never once does he say, I'm sorry. Now, obviously, if you murder somebody and then you apologize, yeah, there are going to be consequences and some people won't think you're serious. But but I'm talking after you've messed up. So many people refuse to accept that they've messed up. So many people refuse to accept that They have to move on from that by saying, yeah, I messed up. I did something wrong. Never once does Cain say, I was wrong. Never once does Cain say, forgive me. Never once does Cain say, you know, what can I do better? Now, down the line, maybe he does. Maybe he does. Now, he still had consequences and he still had the punishment. But in this immediacy of what happened, never once does he look at God and say, I did it. I messed up. There are going to be times in your life where you have the decision of doing right or wrong or or making a good choice or making a bad choice, and you're going to make the good choice. You're going to stop, and you're going to think, and you're going to be like, oh, well, these would be the consequences if I do something wrong. These would be the consequences for these people, and you're going to really think it through. But there are also going to be times where you look at everything, and you're like, I don't really care right now, short term, and you make the bad choice. And again, that does not end your life because you have another point where you're like, okay, I have to own up to this, and you're going to get caught because the truth always comes out no matter what, and I realize that we live in a world where powerful people seem to get away with everything all of the time. I get that. I understand how the the world works, how politics work. I understand that, but at some point, and hopefully in this life for us, at some point the truth does come out. At some point everyone finds out, you know, what you did at some point. And so understanding that, always take the path of least resistance, the path less traveled, and say, okay, I messed up. But I'm going to say that I'm sorry. And they may not accept it, but I'm still going to do it. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to be different. And Cain, you see this point where he realizes that he's not the quote-unquote hero, not the protagonist. And it's when God punishes him. And he's like, whoa, uh, my punishment is too great for me to bear Up until then, I knew he'd done wrong, but up until then, he lived how we all live, like everything's going to work out. You know, even if you're pessimistic or or negative, like I am for myself, we still kind of have this this thought in the back of our head that, well, things are going to work out. Things are going to work out. Maybe not perfectly, but they're going to work out. We all think that. And we all think, well, we just keep doing what we're doing, and that's going to be fine. And so Cain was thinking that up until he's like, whoa, I lost everything. Whoa, what is happening? The definition of hero matters here. Because again, so many people look at it as the protagonist, the center point, the only person in the story that matters. Uh, Like if you read Spider-Man comics, which you should because they're amazing, uh, you can look at it as, well, nobody else matters besides Spider-Man, like he's the center point, he's the the person that people buy it for. Yeah, that's true. But one of the amazing things about that is not just that the characters are, are gigantic and cool and have their own stories, but the reason, one of the reasons I love Spider-Man so much, uh, his entire moral compass is, I'm responsible, and I need to do better. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. I have to do better. And to me, that is the definition of a hero. There are also people who are in the center of the story uh, who think they're the hero. Um, and Cain is one of those. They think they're in charge. Or, or you know, to go way down the line in hist- history, uh, Adolf Hitler. He didn't go around thinking, I'm the villain. He didn't wake up and order people to die and do awful, horrible thing and think, well, you know what? Everybody hates me because I'm bad. He thought, I'm doing the right thing. People will follow. They'll understand. Until it was too late. Cain, until it was too late, saw it that way. The definition of hero is not the center point to the story because none of us are the center point to the story. The definition of hero is someone who does the best with what they have. Who does the best to make the world around them better. Not who's perfect, not who's the only important figure, not who is all that matters in the world, but who does the best they can. Abel was a hero. And yet if you'd asked him, he would have said, oh, no, I'm I'm not more important than anybody else. You know, I, I just do my best. Like, mom and dad, they're way more important. Cain, you know, he doesn't see it, but he's so strong and so just, just, just cool he wouldn't have seen himself told said that he was the hero and those are the real heroes don't walk through your life thinking everything's gonna work out I'm awesome I'm the hero I'm the center point walk through your life thinking okay when I mess up how can I learn how can I make life better for other people how can I do my best how can I truly be a hero because everyone has this option every single person whether you like them or not has the ability has the the chance to be a hero to someone else by simply treating other people like you want to be treated. By simply, when you have these choices, even when you make the right one or or the wrong one, which makes more sense, even when you make the wrong one, saying, well, I messed up. I'm sorry. How can I do better? And then moving on from there and helping other people to move on from there. Cain could have been a hero. He could have been someone that we look at as, wow, man, you can look at the story of Cain and and he got greedy, but he got over it. We look at somebody like Moses who who literally murdered someone and kind of was in the same vein as Cain. But we look at him as a hero, even though he wasn't perfect by any means. Because he came back and said, I'm sorry. Because he learned from his mistakes, from his bad decisions, and he moved forward. Do your best. You're not going to be perfect. But do your best. If you do your best all of the time, and when you mess up, you admit it, and when you mess up, you learn from it, that is how you're a hero. In this series, we're going to look at other stories like this, where there are choices that people make. And you're going to have these types of choices, and immediately you jump to, well, which college, which job, which spouse, like, et cetera. But there are so many more that we don't think about so many more that seem small. And I'm not saying to overthink every choice and I'm not saying to to just micromanage your life and make lists and blah, blah, blah. I'm saying do your best. Do your best and think about other people and think about how your legacy matters, how you can move forward, how you can do better, how you can be better, how you can be a hero. Do your best. Live your best and help others to see what that means. That's all I got.